So debt. We are surrounded by debt. Our government talks about it. Our government is deeply in debt. Our bills remind us every day of debt. Our paychecks dwindle because of it. Our mailboxes are filled with offers to go further into debt. And our friends and our neighbors are often drowned by it. Debt is everywhere. And we, I don't know about you, but I have this love-hate relationship with debt. On one side, debt allows us to access things that we may never be able to afford if we had to pay them up front in full. It enables many of us to get an education that will put us into a better place or a better position so that we can make more money in the future. Um, But on the other side, debt drains us. It becomes a burden and it starts to, to, to allow our minds to think about it constantly. And so often we become a slave to debt. You know, the word debt is defined as something that is owned to another. Something that you have that is owned by another and you owe it to somebody else. And this is usually in the form of money. You know, we're, we're a culture of debt. Most things that you own, especially if you're just starting out, maybe if you're in your early 20s or your 30s, most of the things that you own or you think you own, you don't actually own. Many of you have got houses and cars that are being paid, you make payments on. They have finance companies, you have mortgage companies, and you just stop making payments on that for a while, and you will quickly discover you are not actually the owner of that house or that car until it is fully paid off. You know, in the United States, we love debt in the United States. The average household debt in the United States is pretty amazing. Take just credit cards, not car loans, not uh, uh, um, revolving other loans, not like home improvement loans, student loans, but just take credit cards for a moment. Those little plastic friends of ours that are in our wallets that we just love to swipe and we think it's great just to keep swiping and swiping. And if you're my wife, you swipe more than the most people, you know. And we love those things. But just take the average household credit debt in the United States is this, $7,089, the average. Now, if you take away all the people who have no credit card debt at all, and you take the average of people who have just got credit card debt, then the average goes up to $15,191, average household credit card debt. Let me just tell you, that isn't right. That's not normal. That isn't what God intended for you to live under so much debt, credit card debt. Many, of, many people with that much debt, they're making just minimum payments. They've got high interest balances, and it's just they'll never be able to get out of it. The average mortgage debt in the United States, and this takes everybody, it takes all the people who live in homes that cost way less than what we live here in the Midwest, to people who pay exact, ex, uh, uh, huge prices in California and New York, and to us who pay higher than the average. The average mortgage debt in the United States is 154365 
the average. Most people, it's going to take them at least, at least 30 years to pay that debt off. 30 years, 30 of some of your best years are going to be taken paying off mortgage debt. For you students out there or those of you who've come out of college, the average student loan debt, and this takes into consideration all the students who got a full ride at college, all the students who have got parents who decided to pay for their college, and then all the other students who are like me when I was at college who had to pay their own way. The average student debt in the United States is $33,607. It's going to take some of those students until they're in their 40s to pay that student loan debt off. As Americans all together, this great nation of ours, we are $11.68 trillion in debt. That's not the government deficit. That's just what us as consumers are in debt. That's a little too much, I'm thinking. I don't even know how many zeros. How many, does anyone know how many zeros that is? I don't know. It's like more than I can fathom. You know, we are a debt-ridden culture. Yeah, and there's many people out there that says debt is good for the economy. They said our economy would not be good if there was no debt. And so they like debt. Banks like debt. Financial institutions like debt because they say it's good for the economy. And then there are others say that you have to speculate to accumulate, meaning that I have to borrow and get money so I can make more money. And that's what our culture tells us often in regards to debt. But I want to know myself what the Bible says about debt and how we should handle debt. And this is why, because I don't want to be guided by what my friends say is good in regards to debt. I don't want to be guided what my neighbors are doing with their debt. I don't want to be, uh, I don't want to go in the direction that my co-workers think that we should be or paying off our debt. And I don't, I certainly don't want to listen to TV pundits telling me how I should deal with my debt. What they say is right and logical. But you know what? I want to be guided and directed by the hand of God. And the only way that we can do that is to look in the Bible and see what God said about debt. And you know, the Bible has a lot of things to say about debt. Debt is not a modern thing. Debt was not created as soon as the credit card was created. Debt is, a, uh, is an ancient thing that has been going on since the beginning of time. Actually, when Adam and Eve were in the garden, and they were living their nice little life, eating all the fruit, and then they disobeyed God, suddenly they had a debt to pay because they disobeyed God. And that debt was actually their lives. They had to give up their lives to pay that debt to God. And as you go through the book of Genesis, you see that there was different times when others were in debt. There was a guy called Jacob who found himself in debt to his father-in-law. You see, he wanted to uh, have this woman's hand in marriage. So he went to this woman's father and he said, I would like your daughter's hand in marriage. And the guy said to him, Jacob, yeah, you can have her hand in marriage. You've got to work seven years. And so he worked seven years and suddenly he says, okay, you can marry. And on the wedding day, something happened where the father-in-law tricked Jacob and he married the wrong daughter. And so 
Jacob was all upset. So the father-in-law said, you can marry the other daughter now. So he married both daughters. He got two for the price of one. But then the guy said, okay, now I want you to work another seven years to pay for both daughters. So for seven years, he was in debt to his father-in-law to pay for his wife. I'm just so thankful I didn't have to pay my father-in-law for my wife. I'm not sure if I would have worked 14 years. I'm just saying. I love my wife to bits, but 14 years, that would have been a little too much. I'd have been out of my prime, you know? Anyway. (laughs) But from the beginning, we see that debt was around in this world. And the Bible is not quiet about debt. It has a lot to say. Mainly, it has a lot to say to people who are actually loaning money to others. But it also guides us as well as maybe consumers who we are gaining debt and we are loaning money from other people. But before we go into what the Bible says, I want to break a few myths about what some people think the Bible says about debt. So a lot of people say, well, the Bible says this and this. And I'm like, where does the Bible say that? So I want to give you five uh, myths, firstly, that we want to break these myths so you know that the Bible doesn't actually say this about debt. The first thing the Bible says, the Bible does not say it is wrong to borrow money. It doesn't say it's wrong to borrow money. A lot of people say, God said it's wrong to borrow money. It's wrong to take out a mortgage. It's wrong to have a credit card. It's wrong to, to, to have loans, have student loans. The Bible never, ever says it's wrong to loan or borrow money. That's the first myth. The second myth is this, though. The Bible does not say it is wise to borrow money. There's other people who says, well, the Bible's fine with you borrowing money, so it it must be okay to do that. But the Bible never says it is wise for you to borrow money. The third myth, the Bible does not say that God will bail you out if you get into debt. God will not bail you out if you get into debt. The Bible doesn't say that. Lots of people says, well, you know, Philippians say, God will show supply all my needs according to his riches in glory. I've got all this debt. I'm just believing God to provide my debt. You know what? There's sometimes in our lives we make choices and there are consequences for those choices. And God just doesn't just bail you out and says, okay, here we go. You know, make some more bad choices. Get into more debt. I'll just bail you out again. You know, our Heavenly Father loves us too much to bail us out all the time out of debt. The fourth myth that we want to break. The Bible does not say that going into debt is a step of faith. It does not say going into debt is a step of faith. A lot of people, they will take out money or take out loans, say, well, I'm going to do this for God. I'm going to do this. Churches are the worst. They're like, we're going to tear down this building. We're going to build a bigger building. We're going to go into debt because we're just doing it as a step of faith. The Bible never, ever says going into debt is a step of faith. If you're starting a new business and you're thinking, well, I've got to I got to borrow all this money and God's just going to su- supply because that's what God wants me to do. God never says it's a step of faith to borrow money. And then the final myth I just want you to I want to break this morning is this. The Bible does not say it is a sin to loan money. 
The Bible does not say it is a sin to loan money. So for you who think that your banker and your mortgage broker are just sinful, nasty people who want your money, they're not. It's not a sin to actually loan money. So those are five myths I just wanted to break this morning. So let's take a look at what the Bible actually does say about debt. And there's three things I want to say this morning, and some of this is going to be pretty tough because like me, I'm sure many of you, you have debt. And some of you, you don't like your debt, you just know that there's that debt in your life. But these are the three things that I want us to take a look at, and I hope that they will help us in our financial decisions in the future. And the first thing is this, the Bible says it is wrong to not repay your debt. The Bible says it is wrong not to repay your debt. Psalms chapter 37 verse 21 said, The wicked borrow and never repay. The wicked borrow and never repay. But the godly are generous givers. The psalmist here is saying people who do not pay money, we are putting them in a category of wicked people. They refer to them as wicked. And then this is a hard one because many of us, I'm sure at one point or another, have maybe failed to pay a debt. I know I, I've done it. When, when, when I moved from uh, the United Kingdom to the United States, I had like 300 pounds that I owed. And I kept trying to make the payment. And the bank were just like messing me around because I was trying to make it in dollars and they just weren't getting it right. And the transfer and they weren't, they were sending me to all these different places. In the end, I decided, you know what? Who cares? I'm like, I'm in the United States. That debt's in England. I don't care. So I didn't pay it. And so for like seven years, my dad got phone calls weekly saying, uh, is uh, Mr. Charles Pendick there? And uh, they, they would, you know, and I feel bad for that. And I do. But it was a long, long time ago, and I've paid a lot more debts since then. But we've all had a debt one time or another. But you may say, Alex, but what if my circumstances change? What if I lose my job? What if I get sick and and I don't have the income that I once had? What if I just can't afford it anymore? What if interest rates go up and I just can't afford it? And these are all legitimate questions. However, and I've learned this, and it's taken me a long time to learn this. And even today, I have to stop myself, and and, and I have to remind myself that these are questions that we need to be asking ourselves before we actually get in the debt situation. Just because you earn X amount right now and you take on that debt and you probably can just afford it right now, it doesn't mean that's a wise debt to get into. We should ask ourselves, what would happen if we lose our jobs? What would happen if the economy changed? What would happen if I didn't make as many sales next year? Would I be in a good place? And while we may be able to afford the debt now, what happens if we can't pay it back later? Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 5 and verse 5 says this. says, it is better to say nothing than to make a promise and not keep it. Other translations say, it is better not to make a vow 
than not be able to keep it later. And when you go into debt, you are making a vow to another person, a financial institution, and you are saying, I'm making a vow to repay this money. And the Bible says, you know what? It's better not to make that vow. And sometimes it's better not to buy that car, better not to buy that house, better not to go on that vacation than actually do it. Because you may find yourself in a situation where you can't repay the debt. You know, the Bible is very clear about the things we buy and the things we purchase. But it also can be very intentional at times to not say if something is right or wrong. It doesn't say, you know, you should not spend a lot of money on a house. You should not spend a lot of money on a car. You should not go on that vacation and maybe put it on your credit card. It doesn't say that. You know why? Because the Bible at times wants you to use wisdom. It wants you to, to, to start saying, okay, what does God want me to do? And the problem for many of us is that we fail to use godly wisdom, and instead we go with the flow of the culture. Well, everybody else is doing it. You know, we, when we bought our house, we had to take out a, an extra loan for a home improvement loan, and then we had to put some things on our credit card. And I was, like, freaking out because, like, any debt, I'm just, like, just consumes me. And I'm like, I want to get out of debt. And you know what my wife said to me? And bless her, she doesn't do the finances in our house. She is not the math person uh, at all. And she turned to me and she said, well, everybody else has credit card debt. And that, that is the culture that we live in. Everybody else has it. Everybody else has a home. Everybody else has a new car. Everybody else goes on vacation. Everybody else has credit card debt. Everybody else goes out to eat even though they can't afford it. And that is the culture that we live in. We look at what everybody else is doing instead of saying, God, is this wise for me to do this right now? And just because everybody else is borrowing money, does not mean it's a good idea for you to do that. You know, two years ago, we bought a house and uh, we, we were uh, put on a, a contract on a house down in Abingdon. And we, we found out after we put the contract on that it was in a short sale. We didn't realize at the time. And the short sale, if you've ever been in a short sale, bought a house from a short sale, they take a long, long, long time. And uh, so we were there, and it was like three months had passed, and we were no closer, and it looked like the house was probably going to go into foreclosure. And so we decided to bail on that and pull our contract. And as we started looking again, I started noticing how many houses were up for short sale. And it was like about one-third of the houses back then we were looking at were up for short sale. And so we just didn't want to be part of another short sale. And, and it was tough because I could understand those people were losing their homes because they probably couldn't keep up with their mortgage. And it, it was hard. But for those of you this morning, and there may be some of you here this morning who you've gone through short sales on your home. I'm going to be very practical right now. Maybe you're facing foreclosure or you've gone through a foreclosure. And this is probably a painful time for you. And you have gone through that painful time. And maybe when you went through it, it was probably one of the lowest points of your life. I want to give you a little glimmer of hope this morning. Even though I said the Bible said it is wrong not to repay your debts. You live in a country in the United States when 
our governments and our bankers give us a way out when we get in too deep. Because, like I said, they are the real owners of the home. They are the ones who really own your home. Like me, I don't own my home. I live there. I make payments on it. One day I will own it. But right now my bank owns my home. And what you've done in that debt is you've taken out that debt, but you've put something up in security for that debt. And what they've done here in the United States is they have allowed us, if we stop making payments, to exchange it for that home. And so, while this is not ideal, I want to just say this morning, it's not a sin to foreclose. It's not a sin to short sale. And it's not even a sin to go into bankruptcy. I just want to make that very clear this morning because some of you, you maybe have gone through that and you may have guilt in your life because you know you didn't pay, repay a debt. It's not a sin. But for those of you, you've got credit card debt and you're not repaying it. You've got some revolving loans that you're not paying for. Maybe you've got a home improvement loan that you didn't secure against your home. Maybe you've got some medical bills. Maybe you've just got cable bills that you've taken cable for, but you just haven't paid it back. Maybe there's some electrical bills or bills that you have forgotten about. The Bible is clear. Those kind of debts, the Bible says the wicked refuse to pay those debts. And so I know that's hard this morning to hear that, but if you have debt, the wise thing to do is repay the debt. The second thing I want to mention this morning, and for those of you who think, well, I don't have any debt, so this sermon doesn't apply to me. This one, this point probably applies to you. The Bible tells us it is foolish to be a guarantor. It is foolish to be a guarantor. In Proverbs chapter uh, 11 and verse 5, it tells us this. It says, the godly are directed by honesty. No, sorry, I got that wrong. Sorry, Proverbs chapter 11, verse 15. It says, there is danger in putting up security for a stranger's debt. It's safer not to guarantee another person's debt. Then Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 26 to 27 tells us this. Don't agree to guarantee another person's debt or put up security for someone else. If you can't pay it, even your bed will be snatched from under you. You may be in a position this morning where you have good credit or where you want to help somebody else in need. Let me tell you, it's not a sin to be a guarantor for someone. It's not a sin to co-sign on a loan. But you know what the Bible says? It's pretty foolish. It's foolish to do that. You know, I, I, I have a second job, and that's been in insurance. And I see people every day, they're calling in. They just bought their new, new uh, child, a brand new like SUV, a brand new truck. And, uh, and I ask them, who owns the truck? They say, well, I've co-signed on the loan for my child. 
And, and, and we're in this culture where we want our children to get ahead. So we buy our children like a, a brand new car. And then like six months later, they call and they're like, Alex, Johnny just got into an accident, totaled the car. And I'm like, you were foolish. Don't give like a brand new driver a brand new vehicle. But often parents are the worst of this because they want to get, allow their children to get ahead. So they co-sign or they guarantee money for their children. You know, the worst piece of advice my mother ever gave me, she gave me a lot of good advice. They were good parents. But the one area where they gave me bad advice was in regards to money. My mom said to me as soon as I turned 18, she says, Alexander, because they always call me Alexander. I said, Alexander. Make sure you get a credit card and get a loan as quickly as possible so you can build up your credit. Because, because for them, they lived in this cycle where they were constantly in debt. They owed money. And so for them, it was normal for them. So they realized that if you live in a cycle of debt, you need good credit. But do you know what I've discovered in the 34 years of my life now? The best credit score, it's not 800. It's not 850. It's zero. Do you know why? Because that means you don't need to borrow any money off anybody else. And you know what my mom was teaching me? And if she was here right now, I'd tell her exactly the same. My mom was teaching me, it's okay to go into debt. It's okay to live your life in debt. But you know what I've discovered? Debt should only be a temporary solution. It's not the permanent solution. And we live in a culture where it is the permanent solution. And when parents are guaranteeing loans for their kids, you know what they're doing? They're doing two foolish things. If you're a parent here this morning, I encourage you, don't guarantee loans for your kids. Because you're encouraging two things. Firstly, you're saying to your kids, it's okay to borrow money. It's the norm. And secondly, you're saying it's okay to put security up for someone else. We got somebody in the church and good friend of mine, and I won't mention names, but he laughs about it now. He had a girlfriend when he was like 18, 19. He decided he would put up the loan for her to buy a new car. I mean, come on, stupid, really? Yeah. 18-year-old. And I think 18, 19. Well, what happened? They broke off. Uh, broke up. She stopped making payments. And you know what the bank did? They started calling him. And for the next two years, he was having to make payments on her car. Do you know what the Bible says? It's foolish. Because you can ha- that can happen. It says that eventually your bed could be taken from you. And you know, last week we discovered that hard work and patience is the key to a successful life. And in this instant culture we live in, parents and anybody else, the best thing that we can do for other people is to teach people to work for these things, to work for their car. You know, it's better to teach them it's okay to drive around in a 1995 Honda Civic They'll last forever, those Honda Civics will, than drive a brand new SUV. It's okay for them to go and get a part-time job and work a little to save up than it is to you to front all that money to them. People who guarantee for others are setting themselves up to be taken advantage of. And they're also setting the other party up for a financial fail. And then the last thing this morning, and we'll close with this. 
The last thing the Bible really says about debt is this. Debt will make you a slave. Debt will make you a slave. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 7. It says, just as the rich rule the poor, so the borrower is servant to the lender. The borrower is servant to the lender. And then in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24, Jesus said this. He said, no one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. And Jesus says this, you cannot serve both God and money. You know, debt enslaves you. If you owe someone something, you are not a free person. If you fail to pay back on loans and debt, you could find yourself in a very uncomfortable place. In fact, you will find yourself maybe eventually in a hole that you'll never be able to get out of. And the Bible talks in depth about money. And in churches, we don't like to talk about money. People think we're all after your money, but that's not the case. But the Bible talks in depth about money. It's because God knows that money can become our master. It wants to drive us to make the wrong decisions. It drives us often into a place that we don't want to go. You know, we've all been there. We've made a purchase. We later regretted. And then we left it too long. We couldn't return it. Remember when I was... Just newly in university, I got a student loan. And you know what I did with my student loan? I didn't pay for books or tuition. I bought a car and a gym membership. I mean, was that, I mean, that was just wise, right? It took me to 30 to pay off that first car. And I went and got this gym membership and I got home. I was like, what have I done? And I called to cancel and they were like, no, 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 there's no cancellation, you know? You can't cancel. It's in the fine print. And we've all been there when we've made decisions that we've later regretted. And you know what? Me personally, as your pastor, I want to share with this. I am deeply convicted right now and have been for the last nine months about my own debt. Deeply convicted. We're not in a place where, where our debt is getting over our heads. But I'm deeply convicted about my debt. Do you know why? Because if I was to sell my home right now, with some of the things that we've done to our home, the improvements, I would still owe money to somebody if even though I sold that home. I've realized that debt, my debt, has enslaved me. I serve God on Sundays. I serve God throughout the week. I love God. But you know what? When the 28th, 29th, 30th, first of every month comes, I find myself starting to serve money instead of God. The bills start to come. The mortgage needs to be paid. The electric needs to be paid. The cable and internet needs to be paid. Another loan needs to be paid. And I start to find myself enslaved to that debt. And I ask you right now, if you have debt, just imagine what could happen in your life if you didn't have that debt right now. Psalm 31 says, The wicked refuse to pay back what they owe. 
but the godly are generous givers. Imagine if you didn't have that debt. This is why I think about myself all the time. Imagine if I didn't have this debt, how generous I could be to other people. The difference I could make in this world to other people. I could help orphans, help villages get clean water. I could, I could, I could help the homeless. I could go and, 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 and help fund projects that are helping kids read and, and write. And, and those parents who are struggling, I could help them only if I didn't have this debt that I'm enslaved to. And the Bible says that debt will enslave you. You know, I've, I've said all throughout this series, and I've said probably for the last year from this pulpit, that just because our culture says to do it, just because Nike says, just do it, doesn't mean that we should. Romans 12 tells us, don't copy the behaviors or the patterns or the customs of this world. But let God transform you by changing the way that you think. Romans is saying, don't be conformed to what everybody else is doing. Start to let God transform your mind. You know why? Because God wants the best for you. This world wants the best for themselves. They don't want the best for you, but God wants the best for you. And for many of us, we need to start to change the way we think about money and we think about debt. And this is why. Debt will kill us. God makes us alive. You can't serve two masters. You either serve God or you serve money. Money and debt will kill us. God will make us alive. Debt will enslave you. God will free you. Debt will burden you. Jesus said he will lift those heavy burdens. Debt will one day bite you and it will bite you bad. God will place his arms of love around you and wrap you with his love. Jesus says you can't serve two masters. You can't serve God and or money. And I ask you today, who are you going to serve? Probably the best thing that you could do today. Maybe go home. Maybe after you've had your lunch, taking your Sunday afternoon nap. Start thinking, what can I do to get out of debt as soon as possible? Debt was never meant to be permanent. It was meant to be temporary. And I'm in a place right now in my life where I am aggressively attacking my debt. You know why? Because I've realized it's enslaved me. I realize I can't be the person that God wants me to be while I've got this heavy burden upon me. That's what debt will do. And I ask you today, who will you serve? God or money? Let's bow our heads in prayer.